Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with author, businesswoman, and keynote speaker, Diane Helbig. She possesses a unique mix of fresh ideas, smart humor, and deep expertise. She merges energy and enthusiasm to empower and encourage anyone. She is very seasoned in her approaches to success and is presented to many organizations throughout the United States, including Cox Communications, United Franchise Group, and so many others. Enjoy this interview. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Nice to meet you. You too. Where are you located, Diane? Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Very nice. You? I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're right here in the Midwest, kind of. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with living through a pandemic. The last three and a half years was quite a deal. How did you get through it? And how did it change you now that we're kind of in this post-pandemic period? Wow, boy, there's a question. So Off and running. I know, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> tremendously challenging for me. Uh, it actually, my business pretty much stopped uh, March of 2020. And so I had to recreate, reinvent, learn how to do things virtually, uh, which worked, except that uh, people were still uneasy about whether they were going to do virtual or live programs like after 2020. So pretty weird. I made the decision that I was going to start creating more online programs so that I wouldn't be so stuck if live pro or, you know, in-person programs weren't, uh, happening. Yeah. Having said that, um, 2023 has been great for, training, in-person programming. It's like the floodgates opened and people were saying, I have, we have got to get back to this because it's so much better to train in person than it is virtually. You can do it. It just doesn't have the same impact. So uh, yeah, it was, it's been a ride. Yeah, it's been quite a deal. So let's get to the heart and soul of what you do on a daily basis for a living. If I put you in front of a bunch of third graders, it's career day. And one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that anxious child? I say I teach business owners and professionals to uh, be do better things in their business than they're currently doing. So when you were in that seat at career day as a third grader, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be, oh gosh, well... Uh, at one point I wanted to be a heart surgeon, um, which was sort of weird because I had learned about pacemakers. I thought they were interesting. And then I, I really, I wanted to be a Supreme court justice. Wow. So did you pursue any of those at all? Uh, I sort of pursued the legal thing. When I went to college, I ended up getting a degree in social science, uh, with a pre-law uh, an employment, what was it? Pre-law. It was pretty much just a, a pre-law sort of uh, area of interest, but yeah. I did not go any further than that. Well, let's get back to the beginnings where you were born and raised and what seeds were put into you to become who you are, to help people, to help businesses. Yeah, that's such a great question. So I was born in Columbus, Ohio, but we moved every year to year and a half until I was in sixth grade. So all over the country. Um Throughout my life, I realized this recently that what got me here is that throughout my life, 
I was the person people would come to with their problems and I would solve them or help them like walking home from school. It even got to a point when I was in junior high where my mother said, you know, they should give you an office outside the principal's office and you can just meet with kids <laughs> at lunchtime. You know, it was nuts because different kids would walk home with me, you know, so we could talk about stuff. I've always, I was called mom in college. I've just always been that person who listened. I, I've always been a problem solver. So all of those things really led me to working in leadership and business and then being in sales and then jumping off on my own and taking all of those things and even getting a social science degree, frankly, you, you know, with, I couldn't figure out what it was going to do for me, but here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So who's been kind of an inspiration, a, a hero for you in your life? Yeah, that would be my father, actually. Yeah. Um, my dad, first of all, was a great salesperson uh, in the true sense of, in in my definition of, of salesperson. Um, and he taught me so much about business and business relationships. I would talk to him daily when when I was, you know, leading people and in sales and, and going through all of that. And he uh, had said to me when I was growing up, you can do anything you want to do. You just have to be willing to do the work. Right. And he also said, I don't care if you uh, are a ditch digger, just dig the best ditches you can. So it was those nuggets of I really believed I could do anything I wanted. He didn't say, except you're a girl, because, you know, when I was coming up. There weren't a lot of women leaders and there weren't a lot of women business owners, but he, he it was never a, it was just go do it. Just be you. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. My, my son's on the spectrum and he got a job about a year ago. And I remember telling him the first day I dropped him off, I said, don't, no matter what happens, don't ever let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. You can do anything you want. And it's true. It's true with yeah. anybody. And it seems simple to say, but it really is. If you put your mind to it, you work hard enough, you can do whatever you want to do. And know? it's so empowering, right? Because yeah. mm -hmm. because it's so great that you're telling your son that because then that's what they believe. Yeah. That's what they know, right? That's what we believe. And so that's what we go do. There, yeah. There's never any doubt. Yeah. It, and and it's, it's the antithesis of those things that you hear where teachers say, oh, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not skilled enough because that will stick with you. And so do the good things. So decide what you're going to say. And if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Right? <laughs> I know. Unless you're someone like me, like I had a math teacher who said no one's ever gotten 100% on a math test in my class. I was like, okay, there's a challenge. That's it. Right? Now I'm in. That's I'm it. In. So yeah. yeah, depends on who you're talking to, but you're absolutely right. It, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. People can do anything they want. They can. They absolutely can. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Anybody alive. Or, you know, if you want to open the door to the spirits, however you want to do it. Yeah. All right. So, ooh, boy, I'd like to open the door to the spirits. <laughs> uh, I have two, actually. I'd okay. like to meet um, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. And uh, Golda Meir. So th those are my two. I love it. So 
let's say you have the opportunity to witness any event in human history with your own eyes. Where are you going to go? What would you love to have seen happen? Oh, my gosh. I would have liked to have seen Martin Luther King speech. I have a dream. I, I would have loved to have been there in person. I'll, I'll join you on that journey. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, for sure. So obviously for, for Dr. King and for a lot of others like that that you mentioned, there's a lot of a motivation, high level of motivation. What is that for you? What gets you out of bed every day? What gets you to want to accomplish what you want to get done and to help people? Oh my gosh. Uh, once again, two things. Um, the first one is that I'm, uh, that I believe I'm a, a role model and an example for my children. So I, I want them to always be able to look at me and see someone who's doing what she loves and, and is good at. Um, but the other one is I'm really motivated by the people out there who struggle in their businesses, the business owners who struggle, or the people in leadership who struggle really being able to figure out how to be better. And I just, if I can help even one, uh, it's been a great day. So as a writer, what was the first book that you read that you read when you were younger that really either made you want to write or opened the door to wanting to read all the time? Uh, the Little Engine That Could. Okay. It's my favorite. Cool. So yes. what's been your best client success story? The the, the fan letter that you always think about and smile about? Yeah. So uh, I have a client who is current. I've had her for a couple of years. She entered into the relationship with very specific ideas and fears about how she things she wanted to let go of, didn't want to let go of, you know, a delegation, things like that, but also that, that she was just overwhelmed and wasn't able to turn work off ever. She owns a business. And through uh, conversations and gentle nudging, whatever, she started being able to see that she could try some of these things. And so she tried them, they worked. They, I mean, she got to go on vacation for a week, totally unplugged, which was amazing to her that she could do it. Mm -hmm. And all that was leading up to whether she could have a baby. So she had to be able to do all these things and create these systems and processes in her business and let people do things she had to let go. It's been so huge. And, and she uh, gave birth uh, last month. So I, I'm, you know, and, and it's been great. But she also uh, said to me one day, you know, I just asked myself, if I can't get a hold of you, I just asked myself, what would Diane say? And then I go do it. And I thought, okay, I'm in your head. Like that is perfect, right? You know yeah. what you need to do because you can think, what would Diane tell me? Ah, right. That's what I need to do in this situation. Yeah. That to me is a huge success. So as a professional that helps people, what what was the bridge like where you decided I'm good enough to be in this position to help people out? That you have the confidence, you have the moxie. What was that process like for you to to, to launch this business? Yeah, well, uh, in, on Halloween of 2005, my father died uh, sort of suddenly, and it it was a total, completely life changing experience for me. Um, I wasn't overly thrilled 
in the situation I was in. I had two young children um, and I was getting input from people about things that I could be doing that would, because I, I wanted to have more of an impact on the world. And through those conversations and doing research, it, it was a total aha. I just realized, wow, this is what I should be doing. This is what I have been working toward my whole life and, and had a sense of calm and confidence that was, I, I said to people uh, that I was channeling my father, that, that I was just moving into this with total belief that it was where I was supposed to be. It's what I was supposed to be doing. And so I launched and never looked back. I wasn't scared. It was weird because a lot yeah. of people say, wow, wasn't that scary? Mm -mm. Yeah. So let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into the 20-year-old version of yourself and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained up to this point in your life. What advice would you give your young self? I would tell my young self to be patient, that things don't happen overnight, and that everything that you are doing in the moment is feeding where you're going, that, that nothing is a, a waste, nothing is a failure, because every single thing is leading you toward your future. So of all of the things that you've done in your life up to this point, what are you the proudest of? <laughs> Raising two spectacular humans. Excellent. No, that, that, yeah, that's it. So everyone out there has a perception of you. There's all these pockets of people that exist in your world, family, yes. friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What uh -huh. is your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Gosh, I, I think I'm, uh, reasonable, passionate, pragmatic possibilities thinker. I'm a huge optimist uh, with a, with a, <laughs> a tinge of, okay, reality. So I'm not pie in the sky. I'm not like what I say is my superpower is I'm a pragmatic possibilities thinker. So nice. we, we can come up with anything and then we got to say, okay, and reality, now let's do this. Yeah. So do you see us coming out of this pandemic, entering a level of enlightenment? We went through a lot between Floyd and all these other things. Do you think we've evolved to a point where maybe this is going to be a good time for humanity? Or what are your thoughts on that? You know, I wish I thought that. Um, I, I am concerned about how divided we are and how so many people are refusing to be curious and really seek facts, they're in their camps. Uh, and it makes me nervous, frankly, for humanity. Uh, I always hold out hope, because, you know, I'm an optimist, but 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 I, I I thought, wow, we're turning a corner. We're seeing, you know, like people like me uh, are owning white privilege and and that it that it really exists. and you, you know, um, but there's an awful lot of people who fight against 
anything that isn't like them still. And uh, it's unfortunate. It concerns me. Yeah, I think there's a few people that could be completely cut out of the scenario, the earthly scenario, and we would be in a much better place. Right? Yeah. I totally agree with you. I, I so, agree. Yeah. I mean, it's there. The thing that I find reassuring about doing interviews and podcasting is that we all are so much more alike. And if we could therapeutically look into the window of these conversations and musings and how we all roll and how we all really want the same things, I think would provide some level of equanimity between us. Uh, you know what? I, I think you're absolutely right. I also think that the generation that is my children, uh, Gen X, Millennial, Gen Y, uh, they see the world very differently from my generation in a much better way, right? Yeah. Much different from my generation. And so I hold out a whole lot of hope that as they keep heading into adulthood, they are saying to themselves, what? Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. We don't have time for this. But, you know, they're so much more socially conscious. And so I do yeah. have a lot of faith in those groups of young people. I definitely think the Darwinian principles work with younger generations. I mean, a lot of them are not just falling into the corporate thing. I mean, I come from the Gen X thing where the big thing was, it wasn't about all of this stature. It was more about traveling and seeing and experiencing. There's, right. And all of that evolves. The social wave will start swallowing everybody up as it gains steam. So right, I totally agree with you, and and that is really my. It's a pendulum swing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. And, count and, on you guys. Yeah, but but the weird thing is that history is like a carousel. One way or another, it starts coming back in. Like, who would have ever thought that we would be? I don't know where we're at right now with race relations and and the way that we treat people. I, I you know, and the and the repeal of all kinds of the things that are going to women's health. And yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought that those Not idiot me. ideas? Yeah, I it, know. I know it is crazy. Yeah, it's bizarre. I just would have never thought. I just thought that the social wave of evolution would have just continued to gain steam, not slow. So. Yeah, well, you know what? I think all of the uh, the backward movement is fear based. Yeah, and and karma is ultimately the force that will equalize everything. And as much as we question and doubt, I think at the end of the day, karma always finds a way. Like that, uh, the the environmentalist, the sixteen year old Greta. When she called out that dude and found out that he had all of these things. So he thought he was being cute, right. got on there with his little pizza boxes and cigar and they found him. And, you know, that's karma. That's that's yes. for saying, all right, yes. play, see what happens. Yeah, right. So there you go. Right. I know. I know. Okay. We just need leaders, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, we do. Definitely. Definitely. <gasps> so, Diane, if anyone wants to dive into your world contact you, hire you, where do they go? What do they do? You know, they should just go to hellbigenterprises.com because everything is there. Okay. They'll find anything. I love it. Diane, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thanks for your story. Thank you. You too. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.